0: Welcome to the Unbillable Hour.
1: I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and today's episode is about you. And I'm very excited to bring you a very special guest today to discuss what I've been hearing and seeing uh, among lawyers and law firm owners out there. I've been speaking to a lot of uh, clients, former clients, future clients, and just lawyer friends. And I've been hearing like this universal message that a lot of folks are feeling stuck. They're away from their office or they're team is away from their office Uh, they feel their marketing has stopped working the way that they are used to it working a lot of folks feel their phones have gone quiet and you know the payroll is coming up they're stuck they just don't know which way to turn and so i'm excited to have david on to talk about that and how how you should be thinking during this time and what your mindset should be and so the title of today's show is how to grow in times of uncertainty and my guest is david nagel he's the founder of a coaching company called life is now inc and before we start talking to David, though, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsors, Nexa, Solo Practice University, Scorpion, and Law Clerk. Nexa, formerly known as Answer One, is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for law firms. Learn more by giving them a call at 800-267-9371 or online at www.nexa.com. Solo Practice University is a great resource for solos no matter how long you've been practicing. Make sure you check out solopracticeuniversity.com and learn how to run your practice better. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Law Clerk, where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Visit lawclerk.legal to learn how to increase your productivity and your profits by working with talented freelance lawyers. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is how to grow in times of uncertainty. And I'm very pleased to introduce my guest today, David Nagel. David is the founder of the multi-million dollar global coaching company known as Life Is Now, Inc. And in that company, David and his team have helped thousands of entrepreneurs, experts and self-employed professionals gain the confidence, and find the right mindset to build their businesses, increase their revenue, and turn these businesses into seven- and eight-figure ventures. I've personally known David for many years and watched this happen. And doing this now, as he has for more than 20 years, his clients now count uh, many well-known people, including New York Times' number one best-selling author, Jen Sincero, and many others. Um, and because his results his clients have achieved, along with his dedication, David's coaching has expanded to more than 30 countries. He's been featured on Forbes, on CBS, NBC, Wall Street Journal, Inc., Entrepreneur, Fox, and others. And he's also the best-selling author of a, of a fantastic book, which I've read um, and recommend called The Millions Within. This book focuses on intention, on focus and awareness to build your dreams and your life. And it, it's a great companion piece to uh, today's show. So with all that, I'd say that I'm Extremely pleased and very happy to bring a warm, unbillable hour welcome to David. David, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me, Chris. Pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, that's great. That introduction is fairly thorough, but I just thought it would be helpful to the listeners of this show who uh, may not have encountered you before What leads you to? Yeah, what? What in your life and company and background? In brief, I know uh, you've got a great story that could take the whole show, but just briefly, what has led you to talk about growth mindset and to help entrepreneurs build businesses and and adjust their mindset, particularly in times like this?
2: Well, yeah. So I'll keep that short. But (laughs) you know, the, the thing is, is that I started making. I was I was really stuck in my life many many years ago, and I could not figure out how to turn around the decisions that i had made that were poor decisions i i made a couple of changes in my thinking intentionally by the way because there i really had nothing else to try like i did not know how to i was i was basically driving a forklift making $20,000 a year i was a high school dropout i had kind of pinned myself into a financial corner because i got married and had two children and couldn't figure out how to get out because i didn't have any education and i didn't have any other skill sets so this is all pre-internet, and I was I was just going from one bad situation to another, and I got this idea that I should probably change the way that I'm thinking about things, and it was just something that popped in my mind one night when I was really, really down. So I changed three things. I changed my attitude. They were attitudinal changes. They were um, act like I love what I do, do every job to the best of my ability, and treat others with total respect. Which might sound simple, but at the time, I was not doing any of those three things. Right. So what shocked me, though, Chris, was that my income tripled in a month. And it it was an astounding experience to have at that time in my life. And I could not figure out what actually caused it or how changing my mindset could have affected that in such a great way when, you know, a, a month and a half prior to that, it looked like it was going to take me 30 years to to just maybe double my income. Right. So what it did is it sent me down a road of studying for about seven years. I spent seven years really advancing in my life and my career and, and studying everything about mindset, human potential, psychology, religion. Like I had so many answers that I was looking for. After about seven years, I started piecing it all together and I started teaching it to other people. And I saw them getting the same kind of results that I was getting. So this really floored me. And so then I decided I wanted to make a career out of it because I just became so fascinated with it and so passionate about what a person can actually do if they understand how to
1: think successfully. Yeah. And that's now how long ago that you started a career? And started- 21
2: years. 21 years. It was October of, 89, or October of 99 that I started Life is Now.
1: Fantastic. What you described there in in your history is kind of dovetails right into what we want to talk about here today, which is intentionality. Like you you made a conscious decision. And what I what I caught in what you just said was that you one of your intentional acts was to act like you loved what you did. Now, one day, you know, yesterday you hate you didn't love what you did. And today I'm going to guess that you didn't instantly actually love what you did, but you decided to act like you loved what you did. And that, that's just an intentional choice that you made. It was a very intentional
2: choice that I made. It allowed, me, it allowed me to see the good in what I was doing and it allowed me to see the opportunity in what I was doing because I wasn't walking around going, I really friggin' hate this with <laughs> all of my being every day. And, and I was very shocked that, it, that it, it made that much of a difference in how I was perceiving my world.
1: Yeah. Oh, and and obviously, like you said, it had, uh, along with the other two decisions, had really tangible results. Um. So when I say it dovetails, what I wanted to talk about is, you know, you, I think you heard during the introduction, like lawyers, I'm sure small business owners across the board are feeling the same way. This show just, we happen to have a lot of, almost all of our listeners are law firm owners and other lawyers, but they are feeling stuck in a different way. They may, some of them may hate, not love what they do. Some of them, a lot of them do love what they do, but they're not loving it right now. So I wanted to, like, what's the intentionality for them to be able to control their emotions and get more clarity so they can move forward? What is this uncertainty that they're in now doing to their psyche?
2: Well, I think it's doing a lot. And I, and I think the, a lot of the problem is that they have to understand that they're actually allowing the current crisis pandemic thing that we're experiencing and the fallout from that. They're allowing that situation to cause the way that they're thinking if they're not actually taking control over the, what what to think and actually what to focus on during this time because if if i don't know that my thought process is being caused by an external situation it never occurs to me to change the way that i'm thinking about it i mean we're we are raised in such a way where basically what we're taught is how to get through life with the least amount of problems possible and really kind of play life very safe so that's years of conditioned thinking yeah. that we go through. It is it is millions and millions and millions of bits of information about how to do specific things in life. and we automatically react in our thinking based on that information that we were that we were conditioned to take on. So if we don't really if we don't know that our that our thought process is completely reactive based to how other people actually viewed the world, then we don't know that we have the power to change it. And the other thing is that not only do we not know that, we don't know that there's something productive that can actually happen out of changing it, that we don't have to be in some reactionary fear and crisis mode around what's actually happening, but we can change our mind over so we can actually see the opportunity and the benefit of what's happening and what's for us and what's for other people at the same time
1: yeah and, and I definitely want to talk about seeing that opportunity, but i want to, I want to stay here a little bit because I think in in the way you explain this there's actually there's sort of a gift rolled up in this because a lot of lawyers and other small business owners in before this crisis who also felt stuck right. really had a harder time putting their finger on or acknowledging that there are external factors leading to the way that they're thinking today, I think everybody can put their finger on the fact that there's some external factors. Like things, you know, there, there's definitely something out there that that we could say, yeah, you know, that might be affecting the way that I'm thinking. So can you talk a little bit about what decisions to make about that? Like what, how do you take that stuck feeling and make a conscious decision or an intentional decision to, to think about it a different way? And what's that way?
2: I think the first thing that has to happen is the need to hold on to the way that we're perceiving something nothing in in this world or or in our life has any meaning other than the meaning that we assign to something so when we assign meaning to something we then have a definition of how that how that thing is not just viewed but how do we react to it what do we do how does it affect our life and it just goes it goes on and on from from there so if we if we really say to ourselves okay i'm I, there's a greater benefit here for me if i'm willing to let go of the way that i'm attached to thinking about something i will then allow myself to transfer over to the really the first the first thought should be gratitude if mm-hmm. and the reason is is because no matter what happens even if it's something that we we're assigning meaning to that it's bad There is something good about it. There's a law that that rules that. It's called the law of polarity. It says that everything in the universe has an opposite and it's equal and opposite. Meaning that for everything that we label bad, there has to be something equally as good about it and they both exist at the same time in the same place. So the matter of how we perceive that, bad or good, is how we decide to use our mind. If my conditioned thinking says, find all the bad things about this, then it becomes the only thing that I see. That becomes my reality. But if I use if I use a strategy to flip my mind over into really consciously looking for the good, then the first thing that I would do is be grateful for what actually happened. And I would start looking for things to be grateful for. I often tell people, Chris, start where you are, things that you know that you're grateful for already, and then begin to move out into the situation or the circumstance. If we do that, it allows the mind to let go of what's bad because we actually start physically and psychologically, intellectually, seeing the evidence of good in the situation we just perceived was all bad.
1: Right, and and as you said, it's all there already to be seen as long as you're open to seeing. So that that definitely sounds like a very intentional, but very doable way. And I think you know it doesn't take a whole lot of deep thinking to think about what blessings, what is good about you know getting being at home, uh, spending more time uh, closer with family, being uh, more available to your clients, and being able to think more clearly. It doesn't take a whole lot of thinking to find the good there for most people what stops people from making that transition? Is it just not knowing to stop and change?
2: That's a person who's really ignorant. But like you said, I want to give credit to something that you said that I think is important. A lot of people know that there's something there that they need to think different and they may not know how to or whatever, but they know. So there's a consciousness divide there. Some people are unconscious of the process. Some people are conscious and they just don't know what to do. But when a person is conscious of it and they don't know what to do, really what's going on is there is some story inside of them that says that in some way it's not safe for them to view what's happening in a different light. Mm -hmm. It could be personally, it could be outside of them, like they would be ridiculed or they would look stupid or foolish if they said there was something good about something that was so obviously bad to everybody else. There's a lot of different reasons that a person would not actually do that or feel very uncomfortable doing it. And a lot of it really does have to do with peer pressure and the other part has to do with their own personal safety. In the time that we're in right now, there are many, we're getting hit from a personal safety perspective in, from many different directions at the same time. It's a very unusual event in history when it comes to how many of the decisions that are being made can affect our life from various different perspectives. Right. So if a person begins to understand that, then they realize how easy it is for their mind to be overloaded with the information that's being presented to them.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, We're going to take a moment here to hear from our sponsors. I'm talking with David Nagel. David is the founder of Life Is Now, Inc. and is a global multi-million dollar coaching company. And we're talking about really getting a hold of your own emotions and your thinking in this time of crisis uh, to get unstuck. And uh, we talked about thinking about gratitude. When we come back, David, I want to talk to you a little bit about seeing the opportunity. You you started to really touch on that, and I want to go deeper on seeing the opportunity despite the current circumstances or possibly because of them. But uh, first, we'll hear from our sponsors. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional. More than just an answering service, Nexa's virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualify leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm's software, and much more. Nexa ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. And we're back with David Nagel. The founder of life is now Inc uh, author of millions within and we've been talking about getting control of our thinking and our emotions in this time when 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 the uncertainty that's all around us is affecting affecting the psyche of business owners and the law firm owners um, as it is and David I, right before we went out you mentioned something like that that really kind of struck a tone with me which was that it's unprecedented like from how many different angles decisions that are being made around us and just things that are happening around us can affect us personally. And that you said that was unprecedented. I just wanted to know if you just touch a little bit further on that, like what uncertainty is being injected from various angles that you see?
2: I think that our world operates on a multiple channels of distribution. So we have things that come to us, how we receive various different things, whether it's products, whether it's money, whether it is uh, help from other individuals. There's all these different channels that this stuff comes to us, and then then we distribute things through our own source channels. Well, right now, what's happened is that basically everybody has to stay home. We can't be in each other's presence, and we have basically one channel of distribution, which is the Internet, although that has multiple channels of distribution. But I think it's important to know about this is that our mind – is programmed to distribute and receive through all of those other channels. So I see a lot of people fighting with the idea of when things get back to normal. And yes. they're not they're not saying okay, I need to push pause on that for 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 the time being and really focus on and being aware of all the opportunity that's available to me through this different channel of distribution and how can I maximize that in my life? Because their brain keeps wanting to go, but here's the way that it was. This is the way that it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be the way that it's not. It becomes very frustrating for people and they get very stuck in the minutia and in resistance of it, actually.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a great segue into what I wanted to talk about here too, which is what I'm seeing with a lot of offers Are like my marketing's not working. I'm not able, people don't want to buy the service that that my law firm is used to selling, like if maybe I do estate plans, maybe I do Medicare plans, maybe I do divorces, and people don't want to buy it that way. And then that's it. That's like the end of the thinking, like, well, I guess they will when this is all over, rather than knowing that there's opportunity right now, even in or maybe even because of the current circumstances. So so how how do we encourage people to think differently about that, to see the opportunity and get unstuck from trying to get back to the new normal, which might never happen.
2: Yeah, it it might not. I mean, it could be very different than what we were used to in in our life. But to answer your question, I think that one of the first questions a person has to ask themselves is what meaning are they giving this situation personally Mm -hmm. and in their business? What meaning are they attaching to this? Because it, if they give it an incorrect meaning, or a meaning that's not productive, it also becomes a block in seeing all the different things that are available to them, like you were just mentioning, because there's a lot of opportunity if they're giving it the correct meaning. And I think that they also have to ask themselves this, what is this crisis magnifying in their life? Mm. So this is a great magnifier, and it's, it's allowing it, people to things that are maybe negative in a person's life to be magnified very greatly, and it also has the possibility of allowing great potential to be magnified in a person's life. And I think what kind of swings that is the meaning that, the, that a person gives to it. Sure. So if I, if, I, if I give this a great meaning, and I'm able to let go of the way things were normally done, I'm going to look at a couple of things very different. One of the things that I'm going to look at is, what is my personal worth? during this time. Like another, when I say worth, I mean, where's my value? Some people can't do business exactly the way that they did it before, but it's not in the way that they did the business that was the valuable part. It's what it is that that business did for somebody else that has the value. So if we can separate those two things in our mind, the way we did it versus what was actually done, we can begin to see how the value that we do actually carry for someone else is applicable during this time. And it may mean that we have to innovate in some way to be able to do that or repackage or redistribute what it is that we have to offer, not only so people can be aware that we still have a service to provide, but being able to provide that service to those individuals. And just that little mindset shift can open up a lot of doors for a person. But then there's one that comes in that can be very, very destructive. And that's if a person has attached their own worth to the way that they distribute their business.
1: Hmm. How would someone do that?
2: Well, what we do is, is Many people go into business or take a job or barely do anything in their life. What they found was is that as they went down whatever road this is in their life for their career choice, they self-identified with how good they were at it or the feedback that they got from it. and. If that is attached to the business itself, in other words, they're not actually in charge of their own worth, but how well the business does or does not do is in charge of how they feel about themselves. I've noticed a lot of people crashing in that area, where they literally, like overnight, I've seen people have multi-million-dollar businesses, don't think they have anything of worth or any value with for anybody else, and I'm like, well, how can that possibly be? Right. You have a great business. And what it is, is that they're very attached to the way that it was done. They feel like they've lost control over the way that it was done. They let themselves get into a real negative spiral in their head so deep that they can't actually see the truth that's in front of them, which is that they can do this in a different way and be just as good, if not greater, with whatever is available to them now as far as opportunity goes. So I think it's a very big pivot point for a person to really think about. And again, this is a, this is a great magnifier, Chris. Yeah. If that's going on, it's magnifying
1: a weak area in your life that then we need to go do personal work on. To some extent, this audience should be one that can take this message and really, really run with it. it may, maybe someone who really whose business is really being a technician that does you know, something very technical that they're proud of the way that they do it might have a harder time. But at the end of the day, lawyers, I mean, lawyers, if you boil down, they solve people's problems in, or help them seize opportunities. And if they get away from like, I do estate plans or I do divorce litigation and get back in touch with, I solve people's problems, they should be able to find that value more easily, wouldn't you think?
2: Absolutely. And I think that you also have to be careful not to define whether or not a person wants those problems solved, can, Mm -hmm. can pay for those problems to be solved. It's very dangerous. If we start, if we start lumping the people that we're hearing about that are going broke or losing their jobs or losing their business, and we categorize them with everybody in the same, in the same mind frame, it's not a good thing. But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying.
1: Yeah, can you just give an example if you feel comfortable about like you've you've changed the way you deliver your business um, to to continue to deliver value? Can you share a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this is a very interesting thing because it, about a, about a week and a half before, maybe two weeks before, everything started to really come to the surface of what was happening. You know, everybody was kind of talking about it. You know on the on the edges and everything. And I was like, this is weird. What's going on with this thing? Because I saw that big companies were reacting to this virus. Mm. This is before anything was shut down, anything like that. And I'm like, no, this is not a political thing. You don't see companies start moving money and and decisions the way that they are when there's not something else going on. So as soon as I realized what was going on and they started talking about actually us literally probably having to stay in our homes, what we did was, because we're we're very heavy in live events so we do we do many live events all over the country and europe every year so what we did was we just we postponed the big live events and we put we reamped everything to be done online some of it is group some of it is individual and we we completely shifted everything so that the entire model of how we marketed and how everything flowed through worked within the new frame of how we're actually doing business today and it's working very well. So the thing is, is that there were some people in the company that were resistant to this at first. Sure. It took everybody their own period of time to kind of self-adjust to the reality that this was something that was actually going to happen. and it was not just the scare tactic of the media, but there was actually something coming of this. But once that happened, it everybody was on board 100%. Roles have been redefined. Uh, people that had more of their job was to do things in the outside arena of the company, have now been, have their roles redesigned. We didn't let them go. They're just, their roles have been redesigned and they're, they're doing and learning new skill sets based on how we're actually doing business now. So we were very flexible with everything. And all we looked at is what do, what's the customer base need now, right now, what can we provide? How can we deliver that? And how could we do it in a way where if this goes on for a long period of time, that we can do it in a structure that is going to allow us to not just serve our current clients, but continue to build our business. And that's, yeah. and that's where we are right now.
1: Yeah. And I love that the first question is what do our current customer base and our prospective customer base, what do they need right now? I and mean, it's got to start with that question. And that's what I, you know, that I think is a great message. And I ask you to, to share that. I really appreciate that you've done because I think it's inspirational Particularly for for law firms because they they need to be thinking exactly the same way. Before we go to break, I want to just ask you one more question on that. Do you, when let's say a month from now, you know the stay at home is lifted and and we're to use the jar- current jargon restarting the economy, do you see any of what changes you've made now persisting?
2: Well, that's a really good question, and and the answer is is that I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. A lot of it will be, a lot of it will really be based on how does the client want the message delivered? So one of the reasons that we do live events is because it's an experience. And regardless, not making it right or wrong, it is a different experience than if you do it via Zoom or a chat room or, or however you're doing it online. So if the smaller end of our business want would prefer to actually stay within this model it's not a bad model to stay in like there's a lot less overhead as a company for us to be able to deliver some things in this model I don't perceive that the live event the big live events will change when we come out of it I think people will still want to do things like that again but I could be very wrong about that also so it, it, it will be very fascinating to see the psychology of people when when we come out of this
1: And then meanwhile, you certainly and your people certainly have acquired entirely new skill sets and a new business model that could serve your clients and you well over time. And maybe you know, maybe some of it stays, some of it goes. I just think there's a real danger with a lot of law firms thinking, like, okay, this is what we're gonna do for right now, and then you know, six weeks from now everything's back to the way it was because that's not what the clients may want. Right.
2: And and it won't be back to the way it was in six weeks. It just won't. Yeah. It's gonna take Every you know, it's everything's going to come online in stages, and then you know it. It really is going to depend on what the solution is to the virus overall. If there's no, if there's still no solution, but just less people have it, you know, there's going to be have to make, be some maintenance of separation, or it it comes back again, right? Like it, yeah. in a few months, we'll be all back in the same place again. So, you know, it, it's going to be a, it's a very interesting thing to be in the flow of watching things self-destruct and recreate in time. Like normally we don't see this many things change in our own paradigm of the world. You know, in, in real time, it's usually looking back on how something changed and then going, right. Oh yeah, it did change. But now we're experiencing it as it happens.
1: Yeah. As with everything else, always said, you know, at an ever accelerating pace. We're going to take a moment to hear from our sponsors. We're talking with David Nagel. He is the author of Millions Within and founder of Life Is Now, Inc., the multi million dollar global coaching company. When we come back for the last segment, David, I want to ask you we've talked about making intentional decisions about how we think about the current circumstances. Um, we've talked about seeing opportunity. When we come back, I want to talk about how we can actually take that opportunity and the way we think and use both and this current time to to engage in growth, internal growth, personal growth, and ask you a little bit about that uh, when when we come back from these messages. Ready to create and build your own solo or small farm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There's only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University the only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a research memo or a complicated appellate brief, our network of freelance lawyers have every level of experience and expertise. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Use rebate code UNBILLABLE to get a $100 Amazon gift card when you complete your next project. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. And welcome back. We're still speaking with David Nagel, the founder of Life Is Now, Inc. A coaching Company and the author of Millions Within. And we've been talking about being intentional with the way we think about the current circumstances. We've we've been talking about seeing opportunity and being willing to be open to that opportunity and change the way we deliver and not get our own personal worth tied up in the way we deliver, but rather the solutions we deliver. So David, now that we're back, I wanted to talk to you about how we use those two things, how people should be thinking through and taking the opportunity with those things happening in their life to not... Stay stuck to not stay paralyzed and actually engage in some personal growth as a result of these changes.
2: Yeah, and and you know I think that this is uh, the perfect opportunity because, like I said, the crisis has put a magnifying glass on everybody's life. Yeah, so it it it's really telling us a lot about where we didn't prepare, what we took for granted, what we never expected to happen, where we have not paid attention to certain things. In our life, it's it's really exposed a lot of vulnerabilities. And it's such a great time for a person to be writing those things down, not judging themselves, but really looking at it from a place of real intrigue and interest. Like, wow, you know, something like this really could happen. And I was living my life as if something like this could never happen. And because of that, here's what my experience has been. So now how can we make changes so that if something like this happens again, we're very well prepared to, to go through it, even if it's something that becomes permanent in our life. Also, right. I think it's also psychological things, Chris, like looking at how did we do psychologically during this time? How did we do emotionally? How did we do in relationships? What were the challenges that we had? And really start working on ourselves from that perspective so that it makes us psychologically stronger to handle everything, you know, that life throws at us. I think everything comes our way for growth. Absolutely everything comes our way for growth. And then it's our choice as to whether we're going to resist that growth and judge things and make it wrong, or are we going to look at it and go, you know what, if I grow in this area, it will allow so many more opportunities for me to be better, to do better, to affect more people in a great way, you know, to earn more money. Like there's, there's an advantage to all of this for each individual person. I really believe that.
1: Yeah. And you you mentioned something earlier in the show that kind of stuck with me. And I meant to ask about it. I hadn't yet, which was to be prepared for some people around you, some influences around you. If you do decide to, to use this for growth, if you do decide to see the opportunities to, reflect that negativity back onto you to to impede that thought process. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Why, why would there be resistance around you to seeing to engaging in that growth?
2: Well, there's this old, there's this old adage that whenever you change, whenever an individual chooses to change, they force everybody around them to change, meaning that they have to adapt to the way that you change. And in relationships, whatever the whatever the, the the relationship is, people will contextually put you in a box in their mind because that's kind of how the mind works. If I can if I can learn everything I can about and give rules to this relationship with this person, and then stick the person in that little box of rules, I know that they're safe. I know that I'm safe. I know how to react to them. I know what it means in my life. I you know I create all those parameters around it, and then they go and change. And then it's like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, they were supposed to follow my rules, you know? So that makes a person very uncomfortable. Now, if you're you're doing something that you're trying to make your life better, if another person is perceiving that as a threat in any way, and here's the thing, most people would never say that that they would perceive something like that as a threat. Until it hits their own insecurities. And then it becomes very threatening because you're exposing something that I didn't want exposed by you growing, by you changing, you're exposing where I haven't, and I didn't want that exposed. So by our mutual denial, we were both safe before because you're, you're throwing that to the wind. Now you're exposing mine very much like the virus is doing for a lot of situations. (laughs) Exactly. So it has the potential to create negative uh, reaction and negative feedback from even people in your own family. Like, we see it all the time. And everybody, one thing that I say, one commonality, it's a very interesting commonality. I've never worked with anybody in my entire career that did not have some kind of criticism or pushback from personal family members.
1: So, yeah, you're saying when you've worked with and coached with people and helped them to go through change, it's been a universal experience related back to you that they've resist they they've found this resistance in their closest relationships.
2: Yep, yep, somewhere, somewhere. It could be mom, dad, it could be husband, wife, it could be brother, yeah. sister, it could be best friends. they everybody gets some kind of of negative feedback from it from from the people that are the closest to them.
1: And how do they, how do you then encourage them because that that then threatens their own self identity, right? Because they they trusted in those relationships. How do you then talk to them? through that? How do, how do you immunize or, or, or inoculate them for that eventuality?
2: Well, from from a general perspective, we tell them, you know, basically the idea is that no one has governing authority over your life other than you. So when you give people equal, the equal power in your mind to criticize you, you make yourself very vulnerable. In individual situations, we look at what is the story that you have with this individual that's causing the problem. Because the real problem is the way the person is reacting, the person that's actually making the change, the way they're reacting to the negative criticism. It, sometimes they feel guilty. Sometimes they feel like they're abandoning someone. Yeah. Sometimes they feel like they're not loved, that they're not supported. And sometimes they feel like they have to literally leave people that they love in order to follow their own path in life. And sometimes, Chris, that's true. That's yeah. the thing about this that can be, that can be so startling for individuals. It's sometimes that is true. They're, when a person that we love becomes toxic, where they believe you're wrong, they're right, they're not willing to negotiate, they're not willing to learn, they're not willing to do anything, your only choice is either to conform to their way of thinking or leave
1: yeah, because they're not
2: going to allow you the space that you need to be you. So what choice do you have? You really don't have any. And, and that's hard. You know, when, when we are raised with a model that says family is everything, people really mean that that family is everything. And then when we want to do something that's outside of the, what defines everything within the family, then all of a sudden we're outcast or we're ostracized and it, and it's, and it's, it's very painful. So it's a place of growth. It's a place where a person takes on responsibility for their own life, their own ownership of their own authority as they see themselves, how they're going to make decisions for themselves and not need loved ones' approval to be able to do it and it is a process it takes some time yeah. and it takes it takes a real committed decision
1: and of course those loved ones obviously also have the choice to meet the change right to correct adapt to you know they have a choice and, and if they choose not to that says a lot too.
2: 100%. Yeah.
1: Fantastic, David. We are at the top of the show. What I, I this is I know we're just scratching the surface. So I wanted to know if you have uh any way that people can follow up, get more resources, more information um so that they can continue to learn about the things we've been talking about.
2: Well, one of the things they could do is they could go look uh, look at my podcast, the Successful Mind podcast. Yep. It's on all the uh the podcast channels and providers. And our website is davidnagel.com. So everything that they could possibly want to know about me is there and on the podcast.
1: Fantastic, David. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. It was great. My pleasure. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour. And thank you all for listening. Our guest today has been David Nagel. He's the founder of the coaching company Life Is Now, Inc. And please do check out those resources and check out his book, The Millions Within, as well. This, of course, is Christopher Anderson. And I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works. For you. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll speak again soon.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.